Thank you for tuning in to Conversations with KC, a segment brought to you by the Keeping It Real with KC podcast. Here, the conversations are raw and casual with people from a plethora of backgrounds and your favorite host, KC Phoenix. Okay, I have Mark on the phone with me for this Conversations with KC segment. And, Mark, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, yes, my name is Mark Anderson. Uh, I run a a comedy interview podcast called Amigos PC, uh, where we have our favorite people uh, in comedy, cinema, and crypto uh, on, and, and essentially we interview them. Um, I'm also a at-home uh, cryptocurrency miner. Uh, and, and I also, uh, I don't want to say invest, but essentially buy into crypto uh, and try to uh, work out gains with the uh, what I've bought and, and made profits of. Okay, awesome. Now, also, for my listeners listening right now, one thing I have to throw out there, anything that Mark and I discuss obviously is not financial advice. Please consult your financial advisor or do your own research and all of that other good stuff. So keep that in mind. But I, I have to go straight into it when it comes to the mining part about Bitcoin. I literally yeah. learned something new today. I told you I'm, I'm new to the cryptocurrency, and, and I'll discuss some other things as well. With the mining, to my understanding, I just read this, that it is separate from bitcoins themselves where the bitcoins that are in circulation they're in circulation but there are other bitcoins that were hidden in complex i guess puzzles or i don't know algorithm i don't know what the technical term is but if if the mystery can be solved then you will receive a bitcoin and am i articulating that correctly yeah, for the most part. Uh, essentially, there are a lot of computers or graphics cards uh, that are, uh, well, not really graphics cards anymore. They're, they're more uh, centralized um, machines that are geared toward, towards mining Bitcoin all in its entirety. Um, it's the only thing it's geared to do, and, and once Bitcoin is not a thing anymore, if that ever happens, uh, they cease to, to have any function whatsoever. Um but you were kind of right with how you were explaining it. Uh, but for the most part, there is a blockchain. And that blockchain basically uh, builds up uh, certain transactions that are being done on the Bitcoin blockchain. So that's like if I sent you some Bitcoin, uh, well, there's a fee to do that and vice versa. And that fee goes to the miners because essentially what they're doing is they're validating that transaction and building a new block of Bitcoin. Uh, at some point, there won't be any new blocks to be built, and it'll just be based off of fees that are transacted between one peer to another peer. Uh, like if we send money together and we we have to give that fee off to someone to uh, provide a proof of work and validity of the transaction. Uh, and then at that point, um, that's that's kind of like the difference of, of essentially people who are buying Bitcoin versus Bitcoin being mined, if that makes sense. So when you're mining, all you're really doing is validating and solving a complex math question mm-hmm. to to facilitate a transaction from someone buying or selling Bitcoin. Wow, this is crazy. And to my understanding, and again, I, 
totally new to this. I, I just know bits and pieces. But no one knows who invented Bitcoin because I believe they were saying it was one guy who invented it, but then someone else was saying, no, it was three people who invented it. So, but no one truly knows. Am I correct on that? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's speculation. Um, his name is the one person that they think is uh, Shiitake. Um, I can't remember his last name, but essentially they think that he started it or, or essentially he, he brought the white, what they call a white paper, uh, essentially what Bitcoin is supposed to be um, to the forefront. And then there were also other people uh, supposedly involved that actually brought it into the mainstream, if that makes sense. And it, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, different conspiracies, I guess you could say, as, as to how or who or what or why. Um, but essentially, it's here, uh, and people are utilizing it and, and trying to gain their wealth uh, with it. Well, and see, this is the thing, and this is something else I just found out just by, you know, doing a little bit of reading. There's at least almost 3,000, literally, almost 3,000 cryptocurrencies out right now. However... People seem to be flocking to certain ones. Obviously, Bitcoin seems to be, I guess you could say, the Microsoft of all of the cryptocurrencies. And now one might say, I guess you could say Dogecoin is maybe the, the runner-up <laughs> or what have you. And I think Dogecoin is only the runner-up because of Elon Musk. But then Elon Musk, I, I love him to death. He's amazing, one of the most brilliant people ever. But sometimes I feel like he can be schizophrenic <laughs> because he made some type of announcement in regards to Bitcoin, and then it dropped. But also with Dogecoin, he's sort of been pushing Dogecoin. So it's like, is it one or the other? Or I don't, it, the whole thing is just kind of over, I guess, over my head with certain things. So do you have any thoughts on any specific cryptocurrencies? outside of Bitcoin, like Dogecoin, and I think another one's called Ethereum, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Uh, yeah, I, I have a viewpoint on, on quite a few different cryptocurrencies. Um, you are right. There are thousands of cryptocurrencies out there, and especially right now in the bull run that we're in, there's a new cryptocurrency that hits the market every single day. Uh, I, I think the last count, if I could be quoted on it, I, I think it's more closer to, to 6,000. Uh, cryptocurrencies and it could be a little higher than that right now. Um, wow. One, one that like I favor, uh, I, I don't really like have like a favorite, but ones that I favor and I keep my attention currently, uh, is definitely Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum does have, uh, the whole, you know, DeFi or uh, decentralized finance, uh, aspect to it, but it also is another blockchain, uh, that, that essentially uh, facilitates people building more than just financial uh, avenues or financial systems on it. Like there are uh, game developers, there are people that are, are making items uh, that essentially could change, you know, the medical industry and, and things like that. Uh, a lot of different protocols. They also have the feature of smart contracts, which smart contracts can be really risky. And uh, and there's a lot of companies out there that, you know, are, are toting, Hey, if you invest in our, our smart contract, we can give you substantial APY, uh, or APR, uh, profits and, and things like that. And smart contract essentially is 
almost like a savings account, but at the same time, it, it's just a token where you can pull in and out uh, your cryptocurrency, uh, whichever you invest in. Uh, another is Doge. I am very favorable to Doge. I feel that Doge is the people's currency, uh, if you want to say that, and that, that could be quoted with Elon Musk essentially saying the same thing. Uh, I like the aspect of uh, with Doge that the creator of it has walked away from the actual project. You know, he's like, hey, this is meant to be a joke. This is not supposed to be taken seriously. Uh, but eventually, as the hype built with the coin and, and after he walked away and Elon Musk getting involved, and uh, now a lot of billionaires are actually making utility out of Doge, uh, it's become something that actually could be valuable. Uh, another that I'm looking in that's kind of a, a, it's not kind of, it is a smart contract, uh, when it comes to the Binance, uh, network, uh, is SafeMoon. And, and essentially this is a hype token, but the, the project team that actually owns, uh, the token itself, uh, they have very good intentions. Uh, they're very transparent as to what they're trying to do. Uh, and uh, essentially it, this could be the future of uh, what they call the unbanked, uh, where it, you don't need a bank to, in order to transact monetarily, uh, especially in, in different countries. They're specifically targeting Africa, uh, but it, essentially that could be anywhere uh, for the most part. Those are my, like my top three, but I am looking at others. You know, like uh, notable mentions would be like Crypto.com's uh, token. Uh, they're really getting to the point of being decentralized uh, in its entirety. Uh, and things like that. Well, this is the thing. And you mentioned something with Dogecoin. You're saying that the creator who created Dogecoin walked away from Dogecoin? Yeah. So he, he went after he created Dogecoin and, and Doge was doing its thing for, you know, a while. Cause Doge is well, about nine years old, I would say. Uh, he eventually had walked away from the project. Uh, there are even articles out there. People end up Googling it. You know, him actually... Um, you know, talking down on the project, you know, him really do saying it is, it is a joke. It's not meant to be taken seriously. People who are actually getting into Doge, you know, really shouldn't, uh, and things like that. But once the community started to back the actual token, he realized, uh, I'm thinking, I, you know, I'm only speaking on his behalf, not actually him, but he essentially came back into the project. He's not a dev. When it comes to what Bitcoin, so he has no control over, but essentially it's like a mascot now. Uh, and, and people are backing him and helping him thrive through the actual community, through donations and things like that. Uh, and uh, essentially when he talks about something with Doge and, if, you know, one of the bigger guys like Elon Musk uh, or Mark Cuban, uh, you know, start making uh, references to him, then at that point, it, it, the hype train starts to, to build up again and, and Doge starts to pick up. Right, but with Doge, to my understanding, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, they keep printing Doge. It's almost like the U.S. where we're just printing money. <laughs> so <laughs> if, if that's the case, then how can there be value? Because obviously I'm talking about inflation. So yeah. how can there be value in Dogecoin if they keep printing more Dogecoin, if that, because with Bitcoin, to my understanding, they don't really print a lot more Bitcoin. It's just sort of what you get is what you get. Yeah, with Bitcoin, there is an end. Uh, essentially, at one point, there is going to be a point of there are no new Bitcoins. So uh, any Bitcoin in circulation is just being validated through 
transactions, essentially. Um, and, and in reality, that's really a scarcity mindset uh, because if you look at other tokens, there is another very popular token that is, you know, the second token. Uh, I, well, I should say coin. There's a difference between coin and token. Uh, there, there is a second coin on the market that has no cap either. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't discuss this between that one versus Doge, uh, and the one I'm talking about is Ethereum. Well, the reason that Ethereum is, has increased substantially in value, it, it, there are a couple factors in there, and Doge is actually starting to take on some of these factors. Uh, the first one I kind of briefly mentioned earlier uh, is utility. Like, people are building life-changing things off of the network, uh, to start a business, you know, change the medical field, uh, decentralized finance, things like that. They're, they're changing lives and providing utility on the Ethereum network, even though Ethereum, uh, the actual blockchain, it doesn't have a limit. It just gets harder to mine, uh, which is one of the contributing factors of value, uh, and then utility is being brought. Uh, and, and so as this starts to happen with Doge, and it's already starting to happen with Doge. You'll start to see that Doge picks up in value. Um, now, will Doge get to, you know, 2500 or, or where Ethereum's at now, just sitting under $3,000, uh, or a peaks of 4500 in which it was just less than a month ago? Um, who's to say? No, no one really knows, uh, because essentially you got to value a project at, at what you feel the value of it is versus uh, what the market is dictating where the price is going up and down on the roller coaster. Um, but essentially, if utility is kept on being built on Dogecoin, then at that point, you'll start to see value increase even further. And if the algorithm itself, you know, let's say it breaks off of the algorithm that it's attached to right now, which is Litecoin, uh, it, it could get more difficult to mine it, which in that turn will then increase the value of the coin because it's harder to get one piece of it, if that makes sense. Right. And see, this is the thing. And just so you know, which I'm sure you may already, with my podcast, I lifestyle entertainment news and sports is are the things I discuss. But one thing I focus on is mostly tarot readings and things of that nature because I'm intuitive. The reason I'm bringing that up is because Something is telling me there's something being missed. I don't know what. I can't put my finger on it. My spidey sense is going off. That's why I, I, I think it's more of the Warren Buffett thing, you know, be greedy when everyone is fearful, be fearful when everyone is greedy. And mm -hmm. I feel like there is a push to move people to these cryptocurrencies off of whatever their country's currency is, whether it is the dollar, whether it is the euro, whether it is the pound or, or what have you. So I don't know why. I just feel like something's being missed because let's say that the pound collapses or the euro collapses or the dollar collapses, and then you have all of this Bitcoin or you have all of this Dogecoin or you have all of this Ethereum or, or pick your cryptocurrency, then how will you be able to finagle that into something that can be used in day-to-day -day transactions because I can't go into, you know, the grocery store and say, okay, I have Bitcoin. Here, take it to my understanding. They they wouldn't take Bitcoin. They only accept, you know, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and cash. Yeah. So, 
one adoption is what uh, a few exchanges are doing uh, at the current time. Uh, Crypto.com would be a perfect example of that. And essentially their exchange, you can hold your crypto into it uh, and then you can easily transfer it into a prepaid debit card. So if the, as long as the cryptocurrency in question has some form of value comparative to the U.S. dollar or the Great Britain pound or, or you know, wherever your currency is, uh, essentially you can move that into your currency via this card so you can still utilize, you know, what you've either bought or uh, actually mined on the cryptocurrency. But you're right. Uh, if something were to happen, you know, globally or even just on a national level, you know, the dollar plummets, uh, which is, you know, we're spending it left and right. They're, they're producing more dollars. Inflation is bound to go crazy at some point. Uh, and it, uh, we're the only nation that's like a large nation like this where, you know, our dollars pegged to how much debt we have. Uh, so, so if, if something were drastically fall, uh, things are going to change and they're going to change fast. Uh, and, and the reason that people are pushing to get into cryptocurrency and, and pushing other people to try to get into cryptocurrency is mass adoption. Uh, if mass adoption happens, there's no reason to have a world bank. There's no reason to have a particular dollar uh, when it comes to uh, the U.S. dollar or another nation's uh, currency. Uh, now, one thing I, I will say, and a good example of history repeating itself, is right now it almost feels like it is the 1800s, and the United States has, you know, a good handful, uh, I would say a few handfuls of banks. Uh, and each bank produces their own note, and everybody's walking around with 30 different notes trying to cash to get different monetary transactions from one bank's note to another bank's note, uh, and banks are having to interchange notes from each other. Uh, cryptocurrency essentially is that right now. It, it, it's completely the wild, wild west, uh, and as adoption starts to take place, one will take forefront, uh, which in this case it, it seems like Bitcoin is a, a heavy contender to that, uh, even though it's more of a store of value coin at this point, uh, it, but it could be the future when no one knows. Uh, but essentially, the banks went through this in the 1800s, and, and essentially right now, it seems like this is what cryptocurrency is starting to do. Well, you said something earlier that kind of caught my ears. When you were talking about not using the banks, do you believe that the mentality of some of the people who are in cryptocurrency is I don't like the banks and because cryptocurrency doesn't have anything to do with Chase, Wells Fargo, Charles Schwab, you know, Mellon, what pick your pick your bank. It doesn't have anything to do with these big banks. That's why I want to do it. So I can break the bank. Do you think some people might have that attitude as well? Uh, yeah, I, I would think that, that a lot of people have that attitude. But if you look at the core nature of, of cryptocurrency and its, you know, it, its natural form, uh, its original form, uh, if you read the, the actual Bitcoin white paper, like it's supposed to be a peer-to-peer -peer with no third party involved. And essentially a third party would be the bank. Uh, so essentially one peer is sending another peer uh, a monetary value of, of cryptocurrency and someone else uh, or a pool of someone else's is validating that transaction goes through. So there is no 
central area uh, that can profit off of what just transpired. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is starting to make a little bit more sense now. I think what's been throwing me off is that I, I guess what my fear is, and I don't like using that word too often, but what my fear is is that some type of outside force or forces, you could call them puppeteers, would manipulate the people, some who may not be as, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, wouldn't have as much knowledge as, say, someone like you. It's obvious that you're very knowledgeable about this. But other people who may have just been like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and buy this, or I'm going to go ahead and buy that and see what happens. And they get pushed in a certain direction just to make a certain cryptocurrency the main currency. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I, Essentially, they're, they're letting themselves get influenced on what they're actually putting their money towards. Right, where some people outside forces who have a vested interest in having just one currency or just two currencies for the world. Do you see where I'm going? Yeah. And Oh, go ahead. If at the end of the day uh, a centralized entity gets involved and, and creates some type of regulation on cryptocurrency to, to solidify just one of them being the contender or two of them or something along those lines, uh, cryptocurrency itself will will lose its initial purpose, if that makes sense. Like, essentially, with cryptocurrency, the the whole reason that it came to fruition was, you know, there, there's no control over this. Like, it, it's, it's basically holding its own. Uh, if you don't do your own research in, in figuring out, like, is the cryptocurrency that you're actually buying or, or mining or, or somehow obtaining, acquiring, uh, not something that you're comfortable with, like you ended up should not be involved in it, uh, doing your own research essentially. Uh, but if a third party like a government entity gets involved and makes a regulation, essentially there, there might be some uh, backlash to it, especially with cryptocurrency, because if, you know, it becomes more taxable, because currently it is taxable, they're, they're treating it as almost like a stock or something along those lines, capital gains. I'm not a tax oh. advisor, but essentially that's, you know, kind right. of what's transpiring right now. Yeah, uh, the capital gains will eat all of that away, especially if they go up, because I think they're trying to raise it to 40%, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, it, there's speculation. But essentially, I mean, if you know how to do your taxes, there's ways all around that. Again, not a tax advisor, but you know, do your research or talk to somebody who knows how to do taxes, and you can figure it out. <laughs> uh, but, But – Essentially, at the end of the day, if if someone, an entity, essentially a third party entity, gets involved, there there could be some type of backlash with crypto. And who really knows what that might be? Uh, will that be a devalue? Uh, and, and you see, you know, the values decrease from from where the actual dollar sticks to, or whatever your currency is. Uh, that could be plausible. Uh, the other thing could happen is is that there could be a different protocol on because it is the internet and these are algorithms built on the internet. Uh, they could change something and, and whatever regulation they put in doesn't apply to what just changed because the government is always decades, uh, at minimum decades behind what's being taken place on the internet 
And by the time they actually catch up, it's a completely different marketplace. Well, honestly, I feel, and, and this is just my personal opinion, I feel that a cryptocurrency, a digital currency, isn't a bad thing. I kind of wish the United States would do that, have its own. Like, my ideal would be a domestic dollar and the international American dollar. The domestic dollar would be digital, and it is only available to American citizens. And then the international dollar is just available to everyone, and that is what we use now. The current dollar that's in circulation, the ones that we're printing tons of, that can be the international dollar. Everyone can use it. But the domestic dollar can be digital, and it would be similar to Bitcoin, where only a certain amount would be created. There wouldn't be any more. And that can be determined by how much money circulates through the U.S. economy and so on and so forth. And then also that would guarantee the value of the dollar itself, the domestic dollar, where you know, okay, there's not going to be any more printed, and it'll always, the value will always stay, if not go up even higher. That, that would be my ideal. But obviously the government's not going to do that. <laughs> so. Well, that's not necessarily true either because there are some, I don't know if you want to call them conspiracies, but there are some, some things out there already that the government has acquired a substantial amount of certain cryptos, uh, to where they may end up taking control of that specific cryptocurrency. Um, China right now is trying to regulate what Bitcoin does for the 1800th time, uh, since Bitcoin has been created. And, and as they did that, they came out and stated that they're starting their own digital currency. They're not calling it a crypto, but they did start their own digital currency, uh, and they are trying to push that to the mass market in China. So it's not like government agencies aren't doing this or possibly not doing this already, uh, but it, there is things out there in play or not in place, but there are things starting to happen to where it, it is, it's plausible and, and they possibly may be doing it. Uh, the conspiracy one that I was just talking about with, well, possible conspiracy, uh, with, uh, the United States and a cryptocurrency, uh, there is a conspiracy out there right now. And again, this is hearsay. So it, it, I mean, you got to do your own research and try to feel if this is something that's actually legit on, on your own. Um, is that a few years ago, the United States, the SEC sued, uh, the creators of a cryptocurrency called Tether. Uh, Tether is basically a stable coin. Uh, is, it wasn't at the time, but it is a stable coin, uh, and essentially it's tied to the actual dollar. So if the dollar, as long as it stays a dollar, uh, this cryptocurrency will either be one dollar, one dollar and one, or 99 cents. It should never be anything other beyond that. Uh, and that's why they call it a stable coin. Uh, essentially when they sued Tether because of some things Tether was doing as they started their operation, uh, the conspiracy is when that happened, it granted the United States an opportunity to speak with the creators of Tether behind closed doors in acquiring a massive amount of it. Now, again, this is just a conspiracy, so it's not something that actually could be valid, but it's not plausible. You know, it, it, or I'm not, it, it is plausible that this could actually happen. It, it's not the first time the government has done something shady behind closed doors, and then later on it, it comes out to be fact. Right. <laughs> that, that is, that, it, it's a scenario that could potentially be on the forefront, uh, and, and is being talked about in certain circles. But to prove that that 
is a potential scenario. China just did it, essentially. Hmm. Okay. This is now. I want to go back to something when you were saying that there was a particular card where they allow you to, where you know, God forbid something happens with the economy, any economy, they allow you to still put it on a debit card. Do they allow you to choose the currency that you want? Where you may have bought, let's say, the Bitcoin using American dollars, but now that you own the Bitcoin. Let's say that you don't want to have American dollars on your debit card. You want to use um, the pound or, or something else or the peso. Do they allow you that flexibility, or is it only? And I don't know if you know this or not. Or, or is it only you can convert it to what you bought your cryptocurrency with? If that makes sense. So if you bought. Bitcoin with American dollars, you can only convert it back to American dollars on your debit card. Uh, that, that is actually a really good question. I, I, I haven't really dabbled in multi-currency when it comes to that specific app, uh, but there are uh, options on there to where you could put it into, you know, the a coin that's essentially uh, the, the British pound uh, or tagged to the British pound. Uh, from what my experience personally, everything has been, uh, United States dollar transactions wise. Uh, so let's say I have some Ethereum and I need to buy, uh, some new fans for some of my, uh, mining equipment. Um, I can take some of that Ethereum and put it onto the card. Um, and then at that point, you know, go to Amazon and, and utilize the card to buy those fans. Uh, I can also put a direct deposit to it via, uh, some form of check or have like an ACH uh, transaction debited out of an actual bank account if my bank allows cryptocurrency transactions uh, to take place. The, there is, yeah, so there are some banks that are right now, especially with how volatile the market is with cryptocurrency, uh, they are essentially telling you that you can't spend your money when it comes to crypto. Like you can't, we won't facilitate a transaction to go into uh, some form of crypto exchange or uh, crypto service. But it's your money. I, I know. But this is the reason why crypto is becoming so much more popular because people don't want a third-party entity to tell me tell me or anyone, you know, themselves what to do with their funds. Essentially, this is their liquidity. They can do whatever with it they want. Um, but now, especially in the volatile time that we are with cryptocurrency, uh, uh, there are quite a few banks that are basically cutting people off. You have to find another means to get your crypto into the market. That's ridiculous. I, you, you know what? There was, I forgot the name of the band, but there was this old rock band. And in their video, they literally burned, I think it was 1.2 million euros in the rock video. I forgot what band it was, but I know it happened for a fact because I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> oh, wow. But but they literally burned <laughs> over a million euros, literally. So if somebody wants to burn their money, if somebody wants to buy cryptocurrency, whatever someone wants to do with their money, that's their right. I, I don't you, understand how right. it's a loss to the bank. Now, it would be different if 
there was um, if it was something like shorting, because I know shorting you can go negative. If you buy regular stocks, obviously you can't. But usually with um, shorts, they can go um, negative, and then that can create an issue where you owe to the broker and the banks and so on and so forth. If it was something where you were to owe the bank money, then I would totally get it. But if it's something where if you just put the money out there and you lose it, you lose it. I don't see where the issue should come in at. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, Power IBs are making those decisions uh, for the people at this point. And that's another reason why I ended up getting into crypto mining as well is because essentially I wanted to find a way to generate cryptocurrency without having to get uh, really anyone involved. So the only uh, entity that could limit me at this point would be, let's say, the power company um, unless I go off the grid, which is the full intention at some point uh, as I grow uh, my cryptocurrency farm. So there's other avenues of acquiring it that you don't have to worry about some financial institution telling you how you can spend your actual money and, and putting it into the crypto market. Well, let me ask you this because you were using an example earlier in regards to buying fans from Amazon, but I, I want to dive into that. Are Do you have to do things like that with mining where you have to replace fans because something's hard on your hardware or am, am I missing something? So uh, essentially when you are building, either whether it be crypto mining rigs or you get specific uh, what they call ASIC miners, and basically they're uh, automated integrated uh, server computers, and, and all they do is one particular thing, like there are ASIC miners that just mine Bitcoin, just mine Doge and Litecoin because it's, it's kind of a, a blended uh, cryptocurrency uh, and, and other coins along those lines. And essentially, once that coin is, is not valued for anything, this machine becomes useless. But you do have to maintain these. They are machines, essentially. So if you were to go to, uh, let's say, a, an actual, um, you know, a bodybuilding shop or, or something along those lines with uh, your vehicle or, or even an auto uh, builder where they're constantly, you know, building an engine, right? And and at some point, that engine, as it gets into production and moves on into someone in civilian's hands or something along those lines, the engine gets wear and tear as it's being used. And, and so do these, these rigs or, or specific uh, ASIC miners. So as you're you know, going along in the ride of mining crypto, you have to make sure that you maintain them, you know, clean them. Uh, a fan does go bad every now and then. Uh, a piece of it, a board, something along those lines, you have to continually invest into uh, equipment to make sure that the machine runs efficiently as possible. So this doesn't sound like something where I could just hop on my laptop and start mining. This sounds like something where I would have to have a piece of equipment custom designed to mine. Uh, I don't necessarily say custom design, but there are uh, a lot of, uh, if you want to use the term, YouTube University videos on creating your own mining rig when it comes to uh, GPU or uh, graphic processing unit uh, rigs. Uh, but with an ASIC miner, as long as you can get the technical aspect of controlling the miner via the Internet, uh, which through an IP address or something along those lines, if you have basic knowledge of how to and you can very easily look it up and figure it out. Those machines are, are for the most part, very plug and play. Uh, so 
when you made the reference of, you know, mining right onto your laptop, that is a possibility. It's very frowned upon because you could really destroy your laptop depending on how long uh, you're mining on it uh, and what type of graphics are integrated with the laptop. But it is plausible to do that. A few clicks and all of a sudden you're mining some type of crypto. Uh, but if you want to take it serious, uh, and make it a long-term thing uh, in, in building, uh, whether it be your crypto wealth or just being along for the ride and enjoying learning something new. Because if, for the most, not if, mo- for the most part, there are a lot of hobby miners, and essentially they, they did this to build some other type of computer rig, uh, and they wanted to see if they could do it. And, and they realized that at some point, well, they could earn you know, their, their, their funds back on the investment they put into the actual, uh, rig itself. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> well, Cause yeah, at first I was like, well, can you do it with your laptop? But if, the way you were describing it, they're like, no, you might need something a little bit more complex <laughs> to do this. But with the mining, you're still saying that if you acquire a Bitcoin is more of a transactional type thing. If I'm missing, if I'm misinterpreting something, it's not a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a, an official Bitcoin, if that makes sense. It's almost it, like one is, one is a paper dollar and one is a metal dollar, if, if that makes sense. So in the basic form of it, it is Bitcoin. Uh, so if I were to go and whatever I mine Bitcoin-wise, turn around and sell it, someone would be buying legitimate Bitcoin. So there isn't two forms of it per se. Um, so there is Bitcoin out there that people can just go buy, and, and essentially the, that Bitcoin is held by an exchange, uh, and that exchange just has it for liquidity for people to buy. Uh, and like you're essentially stock. buying it. Yeah, kind of, yeah, essentially. Uh, then there are miners, and a miner is basically validating the transaction of which someone just did. So they went to an exchange, they bought that Bitcoin from the exchange. There is some form of uh, validation that needs to take place, and that's where the miner comes into play. They validate that transaction for who just bought and sold, uh, and then the miner gets a little piece, of that because there was a fee involved in acquiring the Bitcoin. Uh, and then uh, the person who actually bought the Bitcoin of how much they actually, you know, they put in, that's the dollars or something, uh, they get their Bitcoin, but that Bitcoin was liquidity from an exchange or someone, uh, a different party holding it uh, to sell, if that makes sense. Okay. I think I was thinking of it differently. I was thinking that the Bitcoin, when you go, let's say like a stock market, you're like, okay, I want 10,000 Bitcoins. Okay, you go and buy that. But with the mining, I was thinking that, okay, I solved the puzzle. I found the Bitcoin. Let me take it to the market and sell it. But that's not the case. You're saying that. It, the, it, it is, it is, it is, but it isn't, if that makes sense. Like, it, it, it so you described it correctly, essentially, but it, it's not, it, it's not two pieces to the puzzle. It is the puzzle, if that makes sense. 
hold on, I think I got it. While people are buying Bitcoin, and I'm just using stock as an as an example, while people are buying Bitcoin at the market, there are the miners behind the scenes digging through the transactions to solve the puzzle that is attached to the Bitcoin people are buying. And yeah. then once the puzzle is solved, the miner receives a certain piece of that because they validated that the Bitcoin that was sold on the – and I'm just saying stock market – sold on the market was a legitimate Bitcoin. Yeah. Got it. So, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like when you go to buy a TV from Best Buy, right? Uh, you go and buy this TV from Best Buy, it's set at a certain dollar price. So imagine the TV is uh, your Bitcoin, right? You're, so you're going to buy this TV that is a Bitcoin, um, but when you get to the cash register, there's an additional charge there. Uh, and, and we call it sales tax, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In cryptocurrency, it's a transaction fee. Uh, and sometimes uh, with Bitcoin, it's not a lot it, it can be a lot sometimes depending on the volume that you have of bitcoin but it, it's basically a small piece of here is your toll and, and maybe a toll is a better way to to really describe it because say you're you're trying to get onto the freeway but this is a toll freeway right i want mm-hmm. to get from a to b which a to b would be the amount of bitcoin that i want to get to to acquire well to even get onto the freeway to acquire that Bitcoin, I need to pay a toll. Uh, And and that's kind of where the thought mentality of the actual transaction is. And and essentially that toll fee that you paid to get on the freeway, a little piece of that goes to a miner to validate every time you hit a mile marker in uh, getting to your next stop, which would be the end result of your actual Bitcoin that you wanted to acquire. Okay, so with the miner, they're validating everything for the Bitcoin that someone is trying to get to and purchase. Exactly. Well, let me ask you this then. What if people didn't mine Bitcoin? What if they just stopped? What if everyone just stopped and was like, okay, we're not going to mine Bitcoin anymore? Would the transaction still continue or would the Bitcoin market just come to a stop? And that's a very good question because Bitcoin is driven off of what they call a proof-of-work algorithm. And proof-of-work only facilitates uh, and is catered to with with third-party or people mining the actual uh, transactions, validating those transactions with the proof-of-work. If that were to happen, there are avenues that the devs of Bitcoin, uh, the developers of Bitcoin, uh, that are the current developers, not the original, uh, could take uh, as a drastic measure to keep the algorithm alive, um, but that would be moving away from what proof of work and, and essentially defeating the purpose of, of Bitcoin. They may actually have to, to do what they call a hard fork, and, and basically that would be changing the algorithm of what is Bitcoin and moving it to a new one uh, and putting into what the, what. Some are trying to do right now, uh, like Ethereum is really trying to make this move uh, into what they call proof of stake. And essentially, if, if you got money to put in, you're you're in what they call a node, and that node essentially uh, the liquidity that you have in in this node. Uh, so you know a certain amount of Bitcoin is validating the transaction through its algorithm. So it's validating its own transactions. 
Um, Elon Musk is kind of making digs that Bitcoin should go this route uh, with his, um, you know, green, new green deal type uh, talk that he, he puts on uh, Twitter and things like that. <laughs> uh, but essentially, if the mining were to stop, there would be ha- there would have to be a drastic change in the actual coin for it to keep functioning and going, and that could really affect the value of it if that were to happen. Well, then now my spidey sense is going off again, so this is my next question. For the people who mine Bitcoin, I'm guessing they have to have some type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, protection software for their computer, because what if the miners get hacked, or what if there was some type of, I guess, widespread operation to shut all the miners down, because obviously the miners have to use a certain algorithm to mine. If someone were to find out what that algorithm was, because I think it it would be the same algorithm for all miners in order to get into the system, and then were able to pretty much paralyze all of the miners, wouldn't that crash Bitcoin? It could. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, one thing, you know, miners are doing, uh, and myself included, uh, because I am vocalizing, you know, I'm, I'm putting it on the public and, and telling that I am a crypto miner, uh, is, you know, we're using safeguards, uh, VPN, you know, uh, virtual private networks, uh, using firewalls, things like that, uh, to try to prevent some type of attack on, on our system. Because essentially, if someone can crack in, they can do one of two things. They can shut it down completely, uh, or they can point it to somewhere in their favor. That's what I'm talking about right there. So if somebody else who had intentions that were not in favor of Bitcoin, let's just say Doge, and I'm just throwing a name out there. This isn't saying that Dogecoin is plotting something, but this is an example. Let's say Dogecoin, and Dogecoin was able to secure the technical cyber means to infiltrate the minor network of Bitcoin and shut it down, then all of a sudden Dogecoin is the one that everyone flocks to. Wouldn't that kind of fit the thing going back to what I was talking about earlier with the one or the two currencies where if something happened to the other ones, then people would start to flock to one based off of some type of manipulation? Yeah. Uh, or they could just exit the market in, in its entirety. Uh, a lot of things could happen. It's very unknown as to uh, some type of breach like that really taking effect. Luckily, the the mining operations, when it comes to Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is so mainstream, uh, it, being a homebody, you can mine it, but you're not going to be very profitable. Uh, you, know, you have a few machines going. Uh, you can't really GPU mine Bitcoin anymore because it's just it's so ASIC driven. Those ASIC miners that I've mentioned previously, uh, mm-hmm. those are really sweeping and in, in, in doing all the validation for it. And the thing is with Bitcoin, because it is so mainstream at this point, or it's a mainstream crypto, is that there are a lot of um, there are a lot of entities that they've built these mega complexes, or or they've taken over warehouses, uh, and essentially they they're building a data center uh, or have built a data center and all that data center does is is mine Bitcoin and validate transactions. So it, it's just not feasible for the smaller person to really make a, a lucrative investment in trying to get Bitcoin. So if someone were to take 
the initiative to try and, and, you know, infiltrate what is Bitcoin. They would have to be going after these big entities. And is it plausible? Yes. But the likelihood of an, of, of them taking one entity down would just shift what they call hash rate to one of the different bigger ones. Uh, and if the security were to go down, I honestly don't think that it would be a, a drastic, uh, a drastic change for the most part. But basically, if someone were to take like the entire network, it would just take a team of another cryptocurrency essentially to try to figure out and take one another one down. There's just too many different miners all around the world uh, and entities that are mining it at a massive level to where you would have to target them all at the same time. And it's almost like a theatrical movie of, of trying to take crypto down because it's something that with a basic uh, level of, of knowledge of cryptocurrency couldn't fathom the, the uh, network status of, of hackers that would take to have to try to do that. I'm not saying that it can't be done because uh, it definitely can be done. <laughs> Ethereum at one point was taken down and, and a lot of money, uh, uh, well, not money, but a lot of Ethereum was, was taken from people uh, not that long ago. I would say maybe uh, five or six years ago, Ethereum was in a, a position uh, where they had to do what I uh, stated earlier, a hard fork uh, into what we know as Ethereum today, uh, where it used to be on an algorithm that they now call um, Ethereum Classic because a huge scandal was put into play and someone was able to get into the network uh, and take advantage of a lot of people and a lot of money went missing. Okay. All right. Well, at least, yeah, there are some things there. And I can say that cryptocurrency seems kind of risky. And, and to my listeners, again, consult your financial planner or do your own research. Exactly. <laughs> I, I want to really, really stress that. Now, closing out, because we're, we're to- getting towards the end here, I want to close out on a more lighter note. Tell my listeners, please, about the comedy part, because you had mentioned comedy as well. Yeah, so our podcast is a little bit about – it's three aspects in it. So we love crypto, and and we love talking uh, to people who either mine or or, uh, something along those lines of of being a part of the crypto uh, world. Uh, We love talking about that, and we can have intelligent conversations similar to like we did today. Uh, However, we're huge movie fanatics. Uh, my, myself and my co-host Scott. Uh, so we like to uh, discuss and, and just try to get to know people that are in the movie industry uh, when it comes to uh, you know, their careers, what it took to get there, uh, and basically a little bit about who they are. Uh, like we've had, for example, we've had um, Kevin L. Johnson from The Ozarks uh, on Netflix, uh, streaming service, and, and we've also had Jesse Camacho, which he's been on Lock and Key, uh, also, Netflix, uh, examples like that, and just getting getting to know them and, and their background. Comedy-wise, when we first started our podcast, we uh, really got into the vocal scene where we're at, which we're in the Phoenix market uh, in Arizona. And we uh, ended up going to uh, what they call open mics, and essentially it's comedians trying to work their material out or starting or uh, kind of things like that. And we would have these local comedians on, uh, just to kind of go over, like, well, why did I get into comedy? And 
and what are the struggles that I'm facing? And here's some tips of, hey, I did this and don't do this uh, type things. And that grew into something a little bigger. Uh, and, and now, you know, we're talking to comedians that are at a national level uh, and they're getting the insight of what it took to get there, if that makes sense. Okay. Sort of like um, I would almost say a TED Talk to a certain degree, which that that seems to be the thing. <laughs> With an underlying of trying to still keep it humorous for the most part, yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, this conversation has been amazing. This has been a conversation I have been looking to have for so long because – the whole cryptocurrency thing, I've seen bits and pieces of it, no pun intended, but it <laughs> it just, I couldn't get a full grasp on it. And I can say with Bitcoin, I have a little bit of a better understanding. I will tell you, my spidey sense is still going off. My intuition is telling me something is being missed. I can't put my finger on it, just like with a certain person. When I said, there's something about this person, I don't trust this person, and sure enough, something came out later. <laughs> I couldn't put my finger on it then. I'm not saying cryptocurrency is bad. I actually think it's amazing. And the way that you explained everything today, anybody listening to this, I'm sure they would be as excited as I am because I'm like, wow, cryptocurrency is a really awesome thing. I didn't know all of these details about it. However, awesome. I, I still feel something is being overlooked. I just can't put my finger on it. I don't, my intuition is telling me something's being overlooked. But I guess time will tell. Yeah, there, I mean, there's always going to be the unknown because uh, we are in, in uncharted wa uh, waters right now when it comes to what's going on. It's just, you know, do your own research. If you find a project that you like, Make sure that you find a value of it that you like uh, or find an avenue of, of acquiring it because there are ways to acquire cryptocurrency without actually having to put a monetary uh, value uh, applicable to it. So just do your research and, and figure out what the best avenue of acquiring it is if you want to get into it. If you don't, I mean, you know, nothing's going to be any different than what you're doing now. All right. Awesome. Well, Mark, before you go, did you want to give the audience any of your contact information, whether it's on social media, uh, website, anything like that? Yeah. So you can always find us at uh, amigos.net, amigospc.net, I'm sorry. Uh, but you can always hit us up. And if you even have questions, cryptocurrency, comedy, or even cinema, or just want to check out which uh, person we're going to have on the show next, uh, you can find us on all social media platforms at Amigos PC. Amigos PC. Mm -hmm. All right. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you for taking the time. You you just don't know how much I appreciate this. You're always welcome to come back on the show anytime to have a conversation. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad I could help provide a little more insight. All right. Awesome. I would like to give a huge, huge Thank you to Mark Anderson for coming on to the Keeping It Real with KC podcast and doing the conversations with KC. Today is actually Monday. I had recorded this conversation with Mark back on Friday, and we 
finally circled up and obviously got it done. And it was an amazing conversation. I'm very thankful that he was gracious enough to come on the show and discuss cryptocurrency because I've I've really wanted to discuss cryptocurrency for a long, long time. And I let him know that I probably wouldn't have this uploaded until Monday night because I was doing the tarot card readings over the weekend and I didn't want this particular episode to get buried under all of the tarot card readings, which I I finished all of the readings this weekend for all of the signs, which if you're into tarot card readings or if it's something that you just like to listen to for fun, you should check some of them out. There were some very interesting readings. Uh, Thank you to all my listeners who have been supporting the podcast. This podcast is just it's been growing at a rapid speed. Like it, it's, it always amazes me when I glance at the numbers from time to time. So thank you to everyone who's been listening to the Keeping It Real with KC podcast. KIRWKC.com, main podcasting platform. This podcast is carried on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Overcast, Bullhorn, Amazon Music, Audible, and several other podcasting platforms. Please feel free to listen to this podcast on whatever platform is most convenient for you. K-I-R-W-K-C on all the social media platforms. Thank you again to all of my listeners. Thank you again to Mark. Until next time, be blessed.